Hi guys, what's up? It's Brittany and welcome to One Hot Mess. Alright guys, so today we're going to be talking about habitual liars and basically seven signs that you're dealing with one. So let's get into it. We all encounter people who seem to play fast and loose with the truth. You might interact with someone frequently and begin to question the authenticity of their stories or maybe feel unsure whether you're dealing with a habitual liar or someone who embellishes the facts a bit. So how do you discern whether you're dealing with a serial fabricator or someone who occasionally stretches the truth? Well, lucky for you guys, I've got a list of seven signs to help you identify if you're dealing with such a character. And if these indicators seem familiar, it might be time to reassess your relationship with this person. So let's get into the list. Number one, inconsistent stories. One of the most telling signs of a habitual liar is inconsistency in their stories. So please pay attention to the details and facts that they share. A habitual liar, they often lose track of their fabrications, resulting in discrepancies and contradictions that become apparent over time. This inconsistency is not typical of those who occasionally exaggerate or embellish the truth. It is a characteristic unique to chronic liars. Remember, though, that everyone can make mistakes or misremember details. It's the pattern of consistent inconsistency that you should be looking for here. Number two is surprising honesty, because ironically, habitual liars can sometimes display surprising levels of honesty. And this may seem counterintuitive, but it is a tactic often used to gain trust. Admitting small truths, especially ones that show them in a negative light, creates an illusion of authenticity. So the key here is to look at the balance It may be a manipulative strategy if someone's confessions are mostly about trivial matters or minor flaws, but they are always, they're always picture perfect regarding significant issues or events. And while honesty is typically a virtue in this context, it is another tool in the liar's toolbox to be aware of when and how they choose to be honest. Okay, number three, overly complex narratives. Another common trait of a habitual liar is their tendency to weave unnecessarily complex narratives, you know, like excessive details, overuse of technical 
uh, jargon or weaving stories that seem more fit for a Hollywood script than a casual conversation. They are all signs to look out for. And this complexity serves two purposes. First, it can be a way to impress or all you, making their lies seem more credible, or it can be a defense tactic. The more convoluted the story, the harder it is to pick apart and verify. So finding your frequency lost in their crazy web of tells or whatever might indicate that they need to be more truthful. Number four is frequent use of self-reference. Because did you know that habitual liars often use self-referencing language more frequently than truth-tellers? Yep, it is true, guys. They are more likely to use I, me, and my more often in their stories. Because it is a subconscious attempt to assert authority and credibility. After all, who knows their own experiences better than they do? Moreover, it can be an indirect way of seeking validation and empathy, making their lives more personal and therefore harder to question. And when someone's stories are a little, you know, excessive with self-references, they're not being entirely honest with you. Okay, okay. Number five is emotional disconnect. Habitual liars, they often exhibit an emotional disconnect that can be pretty unsettling. Their reactions might not match the gravity of the situation or the emotion their story should logically invoke. They might narrate a heart-wrenching tale with a casual disregard or talk about a mundane event with an intensity that seems kind of like out of place. So this disconnect happens because they focus on crafting the lie rather than living the emotion. It's like watching an actor who's forgotten to get into character. The words are there, but the feelings are not. So pay attention to this emotional paradox because it could signify that they are spinning tales rather than sharing genuine experiences. Number six, unusual calmness. Now, while we often associate lying with nervousness, habitual liars, they can be unusually calm. And this calm demeanor might make their stories seem more believable, but often it's just a well-practiced facade. A person who lies frequently has had a lot of practice in maintaining their composure, suppressing the typical signs of anxiety that might give them away. But remember, this isn't about being naturally calm or collected. This unchanging, constant calm persists even when some anxiety or stress is expected. However, if someone maintains a crazy calmness, no matter the gravity of their narrative, 
they are not being entirely truthful with you. All right, moving on to number seven, evasive behavior. So when questioned or questioned or pressed for more information, they might become vague, change the topic, or even defensive. Mm-hmm. This evasion can also take the form of deflecting questions back to you or answering a question with another question. This behavior is a way to avoid being caught in a lie by not providing clear answers or steering the conversation away from the topic at hand so they make it harder for their lies to be exposed. Some don't tell the truth when they avoid direct answers and seem uncomfortable when their narratives are challenged. Right on. So, recognizing the signs of a habitual liar is just the first step to truly navigate these complex interactions. It is essential to understand the why behind their behavior. I mean, habitual liars, they don't often lie for the sake of lying. More often than not, there is a deeper issue at play. It could be a desire to impress, a need for attention, an attempt to evade responsibility, or even an unconscious coping mechanism for dealing with insecurity or low self-esteem. In some cases, they might not even realize that they're lying. The lines between truth and fabrication, they can become blurred in their minds, especially if they've been lying habitually over a long period of time. So navigating relationships with habitual liars, it can be a bit challenging, but with understanding, patience, and clear boundaries, it is possible to maintain healthy interactions while encouraging them toward honesty. Yeah. So I don't know about you guys. I don't know. That was very interesting, I thought. Um, But yeah, there you go, guys. There you have it. Your seven signs that you're dealing with a habitual liar. All right, y'all, so now we're going to switch it up just a little bit, and we're going to be talking about people who were neglected as children and the traits that they usually grow up having. Okay, so let's get into this, the seven traits. Okay. So every individual carries with them a unique narrative from their past, but for some, these stories are littered with the harsh reality of neglect. You might reflect on your early years, wrestling with the idea that maybe the emotional and physical absence you experienced was not simply a figment of your imagination, but an actual issue you had to deal with. So how can you determine if what you underwent was indeed neglect as a child or just the typical struggles every child faces during their formative years? 
So if these traits resonate with you, it could be a sign that it's time to confront some long buried issues. So number one is difficulty forming stable relationships. Growing up without consistent emotional or physical support can cause a person to develop a skewed understanding of what a relationship should look like. And this can result in an individual either clinging too tightly for fear of abandonment or pushing others away to avoid potential disappointment. And as adults, they might find themselves in a series of unstable relationships, perpetually searching for the security and connection they lacked in their formative years. And they may also struggle with trust issues, making it difficult for them to fully let people in. Number two, unusually high levels of independence. So this might seem like a positive trait, but it could be rooted in a troubled past. Growing up, these people had to rely on themselves for their physical, emotional, and psychological needs. And this can lead to an ingrained belief that they cannot depend on others, fostering an intense drive for self-reliance. So as adults, they might seem exceptionally independent, preferring to handle everything on their own, and they may struggle to ask for help, even in situations where it is clearly needed, seeing it as a sign of weakness or fear of being seen as a burden. Now, while independence is generally seen as a positive attribute, when it's taken to the extreme due to past neglect, it can lead to isolation and an inability to accept help when necessary. Number three is struggle with self-esteem. Neglect in childhood, it can lead to feelings of unworthiness and a deeply ingrained belief that one is not deserving of love or care. These individuals may have grown up with a lack of positive reinforcement of, or affection, leading them to question their value. So as adults, they often battle with low self-esteem and constantly doubting their worthiness and second-guessing their abilities. This can manifest in various aspects of their life, from work performance to personal relationships, creating a negative cycle that is hard to break. Number four, heightened sensitivity to rejection. And this is a lesser known trait among those who experienced neglect. It's a fact that humans as social creatures naturally desire acceptance and fear rejection. But for those who were neglected as children, this fear can be magnified. And this is because... They may have internalized the neglect as a form of rejection during their most vulnerable years. And as adults, they may display an excessive fear of being rejected or abandoned in both personal and professional relationships. They also may overanalyze interactions, 
perceived criticism where there isn't any and have an extreme reaction to any form of perceived rejection. Number five, difficulty identifying and expressing emotions. So growing up, they may not have had a safe space or guiding hand necessary to navigate their emotional landscape. They might have learned to suppress their feelings as a survival mechanism, making it difficult for them to understand and articulate their emotions in adulthood. And this can result in a kind of emotional illiteracy where they find it challenging to express how they feel or understand the emotions of others. So they may struggle with emotional intimacy, keeping their feelings locked behind, you know, that wall that people put up. And if you often find it hard to put your feelings into words or understand the emotions of those around you, it could be a sign that you are grappling with the aftermath of childhood neglect. Number six is compulsive caretaking. I mean, one might assume that experiencing neglect would make a person more self-focused, but the opposite can be true. These individuals might overcompensate for the care and attention they lacked as children by becoming overly attentive to the needs of others. They might find themselves constantly putting others' needs before their own, sometimes to their own detriment. And this compulsion to care for others can stem from an unconscious desire to fill the void they experienced in their early years. And number seven, constant self-doubt. Growing up without proper emotional support and guidance can lead to an internalized belief that one's thoughts and feelings are invalid or unimportant. And this can result in a persistent questioning of one's own judgment and abilities. As adults, they often second-guess their decisions, doubt their capabilities, and struggle with trust in their own judgment. And they may have a constant fear of making mistakes and potentially disappointing others, which can hinder their personal growth and success. So, at its core... Childhood neglect can fundamentally alter a person's perception of themselves and their place in the world. Growing up, children are like sponges, absorbing the environment around them and learning to navigate life based on their experiences. And when these experiences involve neglect, it can set up kind of how they're going to perceive their value and worth. They might internalize the neglect as a reflection of their own inadequacy, carrying these damaging beliefs into adulthood. And this can create a distorted self-image where they see themselves through the lens of unworthiness. So they might constantly seek validation from others 
bending over backwards to please people and prove their worth, or they might build an emotional fortress around themselves, pushing people away to protect themselves from potential harm. Moreover, childhood neglect can also impact how they view others and the world at large. So they might see the world as an unsafe place where they always need to be on guard. And trust becomes a luxury they feel they can't afford. And that makes it difficult for them to form deep and meaningful connections. And it's important to remember that these traits are not definite. They are potential indicators, not absolute positive you know, 100%. People are complex beings with the capacity for immense growth and change. So recognizing these traits is not about labeling or defining oneself based on past experiences. Rather, it's about understanding how these past experiences might have shaped their current behavior and thought patterns. And recognizing these traits that might stem from childhood neglect is not a sentence to a lifetime of struggle. Rather, it's an invitation to embark on one of the most rewarding journeys you can ever undertake. The journey of self-love. Growing up with neglect can make this journey more challenging, yes. You might have internalized the belief that you're not worthy of love or care, and breaking free from this belief requires courage and patience. But know this, you are worthy, you are deserving, and it is never too late to start believing this. So start by being gentle with yourself, acknowledge your feelings, and give yourself the space to feel them fully without judgment or criticism. Understand that it's okay to put your needs first and that asking for help doesn't make you weak or less deserving of love. Practice compassion towards yourself. Forgive yourself for mistakes you've made and let go of the unrealistic standards you might have set for yourself. Remember that it's okay not to be perfect and that you are human. You're a human being who's allowed to make mistakes and learn from them. And finally, invest in self-care. Do things that bring you joy and comfort. Surround yourself with people who uplift you and respect your boundaries. Prioritize your mental health and do not be afraid to seek professional help if you need it. All right. So there are the seven traits for people that people may have if they were neglected as children growing up. Hope you guys enjoyed it. All right, guys, that is all the time I have for you today, unfortunately. Thank you so, so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it as always. Please make sure to hit that follow button and I will talk to you guys later.